to the Twin Geeks with uh, Calvin and David, as usual. Welcome to the show. It's uh, the Altman-esque podcast that uh, where people just talk for uh, over each other, an hour often, and a half usually, all the time, all the time over. over each other. Yeah, yeah. And you can't see, but there's also lots of zoom, lots of zooming in. Lots of zoom in. in this zoom call. We're on, no, actually, we're, yeah. we're not on Zoom this time, but. It's theater of the mind, though. We're on a Zoom, Zoom yeah. in call. Yeah, we're zoomed in. Yeah, very, very open here for us. Uh, welcome back. We're we're coming closer to the end. I know, you know, all the plugs you hear from all the other various Twin Geeks shows. It's always like they're still on Altman. It's like, yeah, yeah, the dude made like thirty five films, and you know, it's it's a lot to get through. And even just we're we're, we're plowing through them at a pretty consistent rate. But yeah, geez, it's still a lot. Uh, Turned but, out to be a long contract we took out on this. Do you so. still do you still regret it, Calvin? I know the last time we talked, uh, you were starting to think that you might not like Altman so much anymore. <laughs> yeah, I still regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I think I keep finding that uh, I'll be uh, I'll, I'm more glad the closer we are to the finish line. But uh, yeah, I still uh, generally regret the whole venture. Uh, you know, I'll 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 say this much: uh, walking away. You know, as we've done before, usually part of the, the appeal of doing these whole director filmographies is you look through and you find something that's been undervalued or underrepresented in, in the director's filmography, and you can boast about finding something, you know, and, and even thinking it's better than some of the more heralded classics. Uh, I'm looking at my ranking, though, that I've had so far going through Altman, and it it's looking almost exactly like you know anyone else what you thought it would be yeah <laughs> maybe anyone else's there's there's one film i think so far that's like oh maybe this is a little underrated in the greater scheme of things but i also watched that one already before we started this so it, it wasn't I don't exactly think a revelation I, of the podcast i don't think i even have that i don't think i have one that stood out that nobody else uh, feels that way about i don't think i even have what you have with the uh come back to the five and die mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I, I just don't feel well. Cold day in a park. I like maybe more than a few people, but not. not I'm not but like. It's, oh, it's, it's not a like in the perfect not, movie. Yeah, it's not like in the masterpiece territory. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think though. I guess like going back to our immediate comparison of similar. It, it, we had that with Bogdanovich to a certain extent, right? Hmm. Like yeah. there, there, there was discovery in in. They all laughed and noises off and to serve with love too. Those were all like, oh, these are really neat and, and nobody talks about them. I mean, people yeah. talk about they all laugh now, but it's still it's hard hard to find. Uh, that, that hasn't been necessarily the case, but that doesn't mean that we don't have some great Altman films to talk about still. Um, yeah, we have a, a good selection today, uh, of various forms of Altmans. Yeah, yeah, that feel more Altman esque than I think the last several you know the last couple batches have it. Uh, the the 90s obviously this is the the redemption point for Altman the comeback that that everyone kind of talks about in his career um, you know there's there's two eras of Altman that are covered there's there's the masterful run of the early 70s and then everyone kind of gets quiet for a bit and then boom we're back in the 90s and he's a legend again those are the two runs people talk about I think we've uncovered the the quiet parts which is why we're uh, uh, scratching our heads sometimes uh, but uh yeah you know it's it's not that there's no value it's not that we found there was no value in the late 70s slash oh, 80s I, uh, but none of these are the worst movie I've ever seen I, I don't know beyond therapy came kind of close <laughs> oh yeah that's that sucks but, I mean yeah I guess that's in like my bottom you know percentile uh, that's fair yeah 
Uh, I I think Altman said that he he likes all of his movies, which I I find hard to believe. He's like, yeah, I liked Quintet. I felt like it was a, a one of my children, and I don't I don't decide that oh one child's more popular than the other. That kind of made sense to me, but I also feel like beyond therapy, I'd, I'd probably put up for adoption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe even uh, leave on the side of the road uh, somewhere. Yeah. Even. Maybe adoption is too good for it. Um, it was beyond therapy all along. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, though, to I guess to Altman's point, that uh, so far, there none of these have not felt like an Altman film. You know, that's kind of the, the, big, the big thing yeah. throughout here is that uh, there, there has yet to be a film that... It doesn't have his unique stamp. It doesn't have his voice coming through. Even in like when he takes on more conventional projects or more studio centric things, you know, it's it's still an Altman film, and it feels like that, and it feels like his filmmaking at all times. Uh, I, I guess we'll see if that continues on with these next five that we're about to cover. But uh, generally speaking, that's been, if, if if nothing else, the the single rewarding thing about some of these films is it's like, yep, it's an Altman movie. <laughs> yeah and that's a that's not never a, a lost cause i think it's always worth looking at an altman movie i think if i looked at these singularly i think i over a longer span of time i think i would have been less exhausted by the the whole mass of them it's still um, been more interesting to me as a project than maybe some of the other contemporaries that he had like mm-hmm. i i think i've, I've enjoyed going through all of the altman films more than i would spielberg or like de palma or even scorsese who I'm, I'm most of the way through, I think. Um, yeah, I've seen all the Scorsese, so I wouldn't feel any real value in, in doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's definitely something, and again, it's also interesting from just a kind of historical perspective to see what happened to, to the Mavericks when they were rejected, you know, right? from, from the studio <laughs> system. You see what, what gets produced and where where they go when they, they don't have... Uh, you know, a whole legion behind them, kind of pushing them along in certain directions. And I think uh, our first movie is really like the most emblematic, like example of that. The first one. Uh, the player. For today. Oh, oh, today I thought you meant the delinquents. I was like, really? <laughs> no, the player, the player, his big comeback in 1992. Um, big, big, big studio movie. Huge cast of celebrities from every corner in uh, one of the most famous uh, satirical takedowns of Hollywood. I say takedown, but uh, it's it's very lighthearted in, in terms of its criticisms, as, as Hollywood is often about itself. It, Hollywood loves to be cynical and to be, like, condemning of itself, but in a way that also glamorizes, uh, you know? So the player is definitely another, maybe the the exemplar in that fashion of um, uh, Hollywood making stories about itself. But it's yeah. it's great and it's funny and it is critical, uh, you know, in, in a number of uh, ways. In a way that lets you in still and in, in enjoying the the bureaucracy of it, I guess. <laughs> another one I think we've covered for an episode. Is I think that's probably true. Maybe, maybe. Yeah? Uh, okay. Let's do it's a quick. A... Quick website search. Anyone else? Nothing listening? is better for podcasts than searching online uh, for things. It's... Oh, I'm typing in the Twin Geeks to the website. I meant the player. The player. Oh my god! All the video game content is coming up instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, there's a lot when you just search for the player. That's not helpful. I'm not seeing it though. 
Okay. Uh, so, maybe uh, not. yeah, yeah. But one we would have for sure if we yeah. kept on. I'm still scrolling, by the way. There's so much that comes <laughs> up if I just put in the player. <laughs> sure. Uh, there we go. I feel okay. like it is it is like participating in the system that it's criticizing, so it can't... Uh, I think it can't like boldly go against it because it understands it's part of it. Like Altman knows that he's part of this system. So, I mean, it would be hypocritical to just be all hard edges when uh, I think this movie also is very much of that system yeah. and produced by it and created and um, a result. Like, I think it's a perfect result of that system working the way it thinks it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think... Altman is, of course, is is aware of that and aware of how he's an active participant in the system, and the the artlessness of it, which is um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, one of the main theories, I guess, uh, behind the film. There is that the the executives are all very, uh, you know, profit driven and very inconsiderate of art, and they'll take on it, and 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 by virtue, then everyone else in the industry has to also be pandering towards that. Uh, one, one of my favorite bits in in the film just comes very very early in the terrific Warner opening shot, which itself is self referential to the obsession with Warners in uh, m- movie history. And uh, there's there's the bit where Buck Henry, uh, famous writer, uh, comes in to Gr- uh, Griffin Mill's office and pitches him a script for The Graduate Part Two. Yes, <laughs> I, just such a, such a ludicrous concept, and he has a whole pitch and everything about Mrs. Robinson uh-huh. living with them now, uh, and it's and it's hilarious because of how consciously awful it is. I think that uh, intentional self indulgence is like the whole eight minute uh, one shot opening with the credits, everything. I think it's just and, uh, and, and the constant references to Touch of Evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a very um, precise way of Altman showing what he's about to do. Yeah, yeah. Very again, a great introduction um, to what the, is going on with the film. And again, technically, Marvel, it's it's indulgent, of course, but it's also it, it knows how to revel in that indulgence, and it and it knows to give us that. I think that's that's the big thing here. Is, my my takeaway this time watching the film is that it's very aware that we want as audiences that we want all of these kind of like terrible and pandering things. And it isn't afraid to give us that in addition to the critique of it, you know? And it doesn't shame us for wanting them, I think. I think it, yeah. like you say, it participates directly in our want for them. Yeah. Well, one of the things as well that I walked away in the same vein is that, like, I I walked away from the film feeling like, watching the whole time, I, I don't know if you'll share this or listeners will as well, but I felt it. And, like, you're kind of there with Griffin, even though he's a terrible person by all accounts, He's so self-absorbed and, you know, just making moves at every point to try and benefit himself. But you want him to get away with everything. You just want to watch him succeed in literally getting away with murder. And I, I just feel like sometimes as audiences, that's exactly what we want. We just want to indulge in bad people doing bad things and being rewarded for it. But at the same time, we also want to see bad people suffer. So we get that as well through watching him squirm and be real tense through everything. But I think we uh, enjoy that tension where we, we self-insert so much into Griffin because the writing's so stellar here that we're able to find that much in him. And, and Tim and then, Robbins uh, is just yeah. so so affable in his in his presence. He presents... He's just so likable, yeah. Yeah, he, he's likable while being 
the worst person ever as well, <laughs> which is a theme we'll get to with the next film. Uh, mm -hmm. But, yeah, so he, he's such great casting here, and he puts on such a terrific performance of... Again, he's, he's able to make you, like, sympathize, or at least be on the side of a person who is categorically terrible and selfish and, and kind of abusive. But I, I feel like the film for sure wants that from us because it could go out of its way more to make him actively malicious and actively, you know, more, even more terrible. Like, the whole uh, murder itself that the, the plot is hinged upon is framed as an accident. And mm -hmm. that does not have to be in the script. You could have made it right. yeah. uh, intentional, but then we would be we would not be sympathetic towards him. So uh, that intentional choice there, I think, is you know kind of a key that allows us to side with him and want him to get away with it in in the end. Which I, I appreciate that the movie is aware of uh, ultimately wanting to to service us in that way. That is perhaps not advisable, but. Uh, is, is still really fun to watch. I think this McCabe and The Long Goodbye are the most I'm invested in an Altman plot directly, and I'm like really wrapped up in where plot is going. I, I would say even more than uh, McCabe, honestly. Like It, it is uh, far more plot-centric than many of his uh, better films. Um, I would say kind of in the same vein as Long Goodbye, though, in terms of like the plot is an excuse to explore the world and the characters in the area particularly here just indulging in the 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 excess and the 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 stardom and the uh silver to uh gleam of hollywood as a whole uh, which is helped by the the extra employment of every big name in this in the industry at that time period so many there, great cameos there 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 is a again there, a, another facet of his indulgence there is a cheap fun to be had in pointing out all the people you recognize in the film as they're kind of just hanging out in the background so there's i think you know i think most Reynolds just like just in the in the foreground <laughs> yeah i think most just like showed up for scale and then like donated their proceeds like yeah. they weren't even you know they didn't even want like it's not a check for them it's just we're showing up for altman and then he's like well i want you to be yourself he didn't even write any dialogue for burt reynolds or anyone and so they just they he's like I can't tell you how to be you're representing yourself here which right. I think is a hilarious thing to do after inviting someone to a set so. and and that's why I think only Altman could have made this film in a practical sense in terms of I like, agree the the reason that he was able to wrangle all of these actors is because every single person in Hollywood wants to work with Altman because he is so keyed into working with actors and being considerate of actors which is one of and the inverse of that is kind of the cause of him being ostracized for Holly from Hollywood for so long because you know the the studios didn't like his methods you know weren't able to 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 work with him in an agreeable way but those are the things that allowed or facilitated his ability to make a comeback such as this in in such a triumphant manner um, he's just He's just so much like an actor's director, uh, like along with what you're saying. Like you oh, could tell, yeah. you could read the respect. The testimonials the from everyone who ever worked with him, like Barb Warren Beatty, I think, <laughs> um, <laughs> are you know just uh, fl flowering uh, entirely. Uh, and Warren Beatty didn't like him. I don't. I don't quite remember like the exact. Yeah, yeah, they butted heads on terms of okay. what what they wanted, but Warren Beatty literally butts head with with with, with everybody. 
And it's yeah, a, that's like the whole he, of like <laughs> Easy Rider, Raging Bull. Like that whole book is just Warren Beatty just and and being a director out. himself. You know, he very clearly had his own ideas about things. There, there's a whole section in the book um, uh, for for the, the oral biography of Altman, and it's like leading up to. Beatty, like getting Beatty's testimony on him, and it's just every single person like who was uh, working on McCabe and Mrs. Miller talking about how Beatty and Altman didn't get along, uh, and then you know Beatty's basically like, I don't know why it, you know it was so bad. You know, I didn't have any beef with him personally. I just thought you know the, you know, the way he was doing it would make a lot of sense. You know, it, particularly when it came to like. Um, when when they were pre-flash, when they were flashing the the, the, the negative for the to get that effect for the for the visuals, Beatty thought that was oh. crazy. Which, which to be fair, it was crazy. It was but... crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it was effective. Yeah, um, I can see that uh, beef just as you say, Beatty, at everyone's throat. But Altman just beloved by I think all actors that aren't Warren Beatty. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely an actor's film, too. I think uh, more than maybe all of his films, everyone who shows up in it. Well, it's uh, very much in the process of everything. I mean, it's a, a writer's film, too, like a, a kind of like Barton Fink-type examination oh, yeah. of what writing in Hollywood's like. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, uh, obviously a big aspect of it there. And again, the, the cynicism of it, it's, it's very much in that vein. And obviously the obvious references, uh, both in the film and just, you know, kind of metatextually to Sunset Boulevard, you know, as a as a big inspiration there, in terms of uh, the, the the cynical approach to being a writer in Hollywood, and the overlaps with you know the the, the murder and such. I think maybe only uh, maybe only Billy Wilder could have made it if Altman hadn't. I mean, I don't see a, a very many other options that mm-hmm. I'd allow to direct this movie. Could you imagine Billy Wilder was still alive at this time? I wonder what he thought of the player. I bet he liked it. I, bet, <laughs> I hope he championed it. I don't know. I doubt he said much at the. Yeah. anymore in that time period but I, I want to believe he saw it it's good yeah i want to believe that billy wilder uh, just kindred spirits uh with altman but i don't i don't exactly know his views on the man so. mm-hmm. um but the, the player just kind of launched like this whole career revitalization everything that wasn't happening for altman suddenly is happening and all the access that he uh was being withheld is suddenly granted to him he's able to kind of go on several more passion projects and create what he wants for a while. And, and I think this had to be the film to do it because more than success with audiences, I think it had to be a success within the industry. And so by mm. getting everyone on board to participate in it and to get a lot of internal buzz for it, that I think is really what rehabilitated his reputation with, with studios more than uh, anything else probably. Um, and and it's a resounding success of a film of itself, and it really holds up. Uh, I I do think that ironically, it it has some uh, second act problems, as the film itself kind of references. I think mm-hmm. the the romance yeah. is uh, takes up too much time and is not very compelling, um, and it ultimately kind of detracts from the Hollywood aspect of it. Uh, so much of it takes away from the the. Uh, studio critiques it's it's kind of isolated from the rest of the movie which is unfortunate um but that's like the real big drag for me otherwise i think it's terrific the ending is so funny it's so great and very funny ending and, and, ter- and, ter- and, and heart-wrenching too i should say in terms of True. his uh, assistant's character just being entirely um 
like, like neglected and looked over Bonnie just being entirely uh, cast aside in the end of the movie there. Yeah. So uh, uh, from here, yeah, we, he gets to make a, kind of another big project. Um, shortcuts, I mean, it's very much like reminiscent of like a Nashville mash type um, mashup, you could say. I yeah, I, I don't know. I've probably said this before about another one of his, but is this the most Altman movie? I think it's the most Altman. I think I, I think I can see that certainly in, in shortcuts. I know we've said that like three times for other things, but I think I, I think when we get to shortcuts, and I think like your changes in watching it this time, I think you you could kind of reflect on like all the Altman parts. I think this one has benefited possibly the most in rewatching along with his other works because I, I, I think, think I've so. picked up on so much. There, yeah, because there's just so much to pay attention to. It's very, it's a long movie. It's a lot movie. There's just like so many plot lines, and they're intersecting. And it's not necessarily that it's hard to follow, but um, it, it's it does not have like a a central point that a lot of movies usually that, that a lot of these really need to kind of cohere around like a single thread like uh, I get Nashville being like the primary example of being like the the congregation it's you know uh, the the city and around the, the, the music festival um, mm -hmm. that's that's like the the central cohering point around which all of the events can orbit uh, and shortcuts doesn't necessarily have that but it doesn't suffer because of it if anything I think it flourishes because it allows it to be more distinctly about you know the nature of people and relationships as as a whole that's kind of the cohering subject that center uh, of everything is that it's all about relationships uh with with fellow humans um and yeah you're right uh this is the second time i watched it and i was much more favorable to it i was already favorable to it uh, in the first place mm -hmm. but not like quite at like masterpiece territory uh, i was definitely like a, oh this was really good and and i felt like it suffered the first time from uh the kind of usual you know multiple stories anthology kind of problem where it's like oh some are better than others you know which uh is, is a bit of a cop-out <laughs> um yeah uh, a bit of a cop-out to dismiss you know kind of uh disparate stories in general and, and this time it felt uh, I, I think maybe just because i took away from more of them there's still probably some that are less good i think the the robert downey jr uh bit i think i think his character is one of the weaker ones, I guess, if I had a point to one. But every everything else, basically, I'm invested in wholesale. And the mm. way it bounces between the stories is, is pretty immaculate. And it does so in a way that, because there's so many, you're, you're liable to be so invested in one that's going on for an extended period of time that when it changes over back to one that you haven't seen in, like, 20 minutes or whatever, uh, you're kind of pleasantly surprised. You're like, oh, yeah. Let's let's get back to to Huey Lewis and Buck Henry and Fred Ward uh, on their fishing trip. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yeah. Last time I had watched it, I was reading through uh, uh, Raymond Carver's stories, and uh, I've always enjoyed him. He's a Pacific Northwest writer from Oregon, uh, just a, a genius at creating um, very short stories and kind of revitalizing like the whole short story industry and a big player in like a championing, uh, short story authors in a, especially Pacific Northwest, but in America and, uh, kind of creating that format. So it's a, um, you know, I mean, he didn't like birth the short story or anything, but he brought it back in the way that the short story is, 
I think uh, Hemingway might have said like the most American tradition of storytelling. Like, I think Raymond Carver really got to the heart of what that means by uh, uh, creating stories that could be interlocking, could be of a piece, but uh, they're all very disparate too, and they uh, uh, have characters that might exist in a universe. You could look at like what we talk about when we talk about love, or uh, uh, will you please be quiet, please? And you could see like these characters all exist in some place, and and they're all like tangentially related. There's no center to the story. But it still holds based on the community. You'll have to enlighten me in terms of uh, how these stories match up against their, uh, you know, short story counterparts. And also, uh, I think it's interesting you point out there that him being from Oregon because these stories feel so uh, LA-centric. You know, they feel they very... Do. Yeah. They yeah. And, and is that an adaptational translation? Or is that... Uh, did, did he actually write about those as well? Or were his stories primarily set in the Pacific Northwest. Well, I think, uh, I think Altman did take some liberties, like where he's like locating the stories and, Mm -hmm. uh, just to have a, to have a place where they could tie together. Right. Because I don't think the stories directly, like they're not like sequels to each other in any way. They're not, um, interlocked. So the ways that Altman ties them together is the Altman part of it. That's the interesting thing as well. So these are these are all disparate stories in and of themselves. Like they don't have yeah. like translated characters kind of crossing paths and such. They might have some characters that show up through like the stories, but I don't think they're like suggested as like a whole text. Like I don't think uh, I don't think shortcuts is. Uh, I may have to reread it, but I don't think it is uh, meant to be like one. Well, work. One of the strongest things about the film is how seamlessly it feels like everything is interconnected in just just small ways. How they end up like. Other, other people keep popping up in other stories, even for, like, just a scene or such. I think that's uh, one of the strongest elements of it in terms of weaving this whole thread together. Uh, because it does, what it does, you know, so magnificently is it paints this very broad portrait of humanity, you know, and, and the human existence and the, the kind of different trials and tribulations and the different experiences and... Uh, breadth of emotions that are that are kind of being displayed and depth of relationships and uh, I think nuanced uh, morality that's going on. Uh, one, one of the, the plot lines that I really love is the one I already referenced, the one with Fred Ward where they find the, the woman's body in the river and uh, they, they obviously they do the right thing and they make sure that it's taken by the authorities and such and she's identified and you know probably take care of but they don't do it right away they they kind of play out their fishing trip together you know because it's like it's not going to go anywhere we've secured it but we still want to enjoy our trip is that the right thing to do you, you know kind of it's like when he, when he tells his wife about it she's really upset and distraught and hurt by it right. uh, and, and and not wrongfully so but but he still felt like he did like the, the right thing you know he was like and but he was urged on by his friends as well not to do anything about it right away so I, I like the the moral complexity of like that in, in terms of you know uh, what, what's the right thing to do in that given situation it's not a yes or no uh, in terms of that and there's there's a reasoning why good motivated actions can still be selfish you know uh, and, and that applies to a lot of the characters I think in their ultimate dilemmas and how there's a lot more dimensionality to the conflicts and the expressions between the characters than first blush might show. 
There was a Norwegian movie, I think, called The Last Fishing Trip that I saw at, like, a Nordic festival a couple years ago, which was just, like, that scenario. But it didn't have, like, any of the morality, so it was very confusing. It was just, like, these guys just getting drunk on their fishing trip, finding a woman's body and not knowing whether they should report it, and then uh, several of them dying, and uh, it just being very complicated. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, I mean, you can do, you can adapt that into a Norwegian play that has no meaning, I suppose. It's also, that, 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 (laughs) That narrative also, again, is kind of emblematic of how the film is very humorous in, 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 in terms of mixing, you know, some of the, the more uh, tragic elements going on as well. Like, Huey Lewis discovers the body by pissing on it into the river. <laughs> I think that might even happen in the Norwegian... Maybe it is just a direct adaptation. It's just that they, they, they didn't just admit it. The, the, Norman, yeah. the, the, the Raymond Carver story. <laughs> And they just, uh, yeah, they just didn't admit it, or they just saw this movie and they were just like, let's do that again. Uh, I mean, that's possible. I bet we could do that. We could just pluck another one out. (laughs) I bet we could. And no, you probably get away with it too. Like, this is uh, a work that's not so uh, broadly talked about, I think. uh, It should be be talked about more than it is. I I think it's the lack of availability. It's not immediately uh, streamable, you know, in most cases. Yeah, you gotta find a, a hard copy of it generally. Uh, and, and that makes it le- less discussed again. You know, like if it's, if something isn't so out there uh, and accessible, then it's not going to be you know talked about in the wider spectrum nearly as much, unless its lack of access becomes a you know point of intrigue. Um, I have the I have the DVD from our friend um, Midnight or uh, Anthony, and I was thinking like a well, I'd, I'd probably go in on a 4K even if they. I, th- I think this deserves to be restored in, in Criterion. I, I, I would definitely get the Criterion Blue. My only concern would be, like, I'm probably not going to watch it as often as I should. Yeah, it's, it's sure. Long. It's three hours three hour long. Three-hour movies. Yeah. It's just it's a, it's hard to fit in. I decided it was right. like a special time to watch it this, this time. Yeah, I have, to, I have to go watch movies like Blonde instead, so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have time for that. Uh, other movies that are very uh, uh, satirizing, of, 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 not satirizing, uh, do nothing about Hollywood, I should say, about Blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is uh, I would I would argue an even better cast than uh, an ensemble than a, the player is. I think it's improved even more. Like that one's got more of the cameo celebrities and stuff, but this one has you know so many more um, performances that are really uh, riveting and and. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is is there a particular story in the set that you're drawn to as a as a high point? I don't I don't think I have any particular thing. For me, it is more cohesive. I think than for you. Uh, it's it's not that it's not cohesive for me, you know. Uh, I think it's very cohesive. In fact, okay. I think it's over, over, overlapping. I, like I said, there's like maybe one or two characters that I'm not as compelled by, and, and like I said, it, that that improved a lot more this viewing. But if there were like a central story, I guess it revolves around Andy McDowell and Bruce Dickinson and, and their son getting hit uh, by the car and being in the hospital. And I am such an Annie McDowell fan, America's sweetheart Annie McDowell, we all, we all love mm-hmm. her. So uh, I always wish she got bigger breaks, and I feel like this is a break that she had that should have like blown up, and I always it's, wanted more for her. It's really terrific, and it, and it leads to a lot of other very interesting plot lines, like uh, Jack Lemmon's bit where he, where he comes in and he's just, just trying to like excise his guilt about <laughs> yeah. cheating on his wife to his son and it's just uh, it's it's so hard to watch but again like he does it with a with a sympathy that's hard to deny like you can see that you know that the how he's just trying to reconcile with this and you know try and absolve himself from something he feels so guilt, uh, guilty of as opposed to 
And I think that's the big thing as well with it that I walk away from is that I think even the worst people in this movie, maybe not the worst people, but most of the uh, people who are just terrible in lots of ways have reasonings behind it. There, there's there's something that has motivated their awful actions, their awful histories, uh, their their inabilities. Um, I think the only one who isn't like you, you can testify to that is again Tim Robbins here mm-hmm. as. as but he's a cop, so that ma- I guess that makes sense as to yeah. why he's just categorically an awful person. But again, <laughs> so good at being so fucking terrible. I, I, his character makes me so angry, and I love that. I and and I love seeing that because it's such a good, convincing performance of how much of a fucking dirtbag he is. Yeah, great uh, Altman and Carver characters. I feel like it, well, uh, Altman wrote the uh, intro to the. Um, shortcuts the the novel edition that's out now i think i'd recommend people read that uh just uh him saying why he chose it and like how he feels like he's like the right director and uh uh kind of the the movie version of uh, carver's kind of interesting so mm-hmm. yeah I, if you can find it and find the time uh it's it's definitely one of the more underrated altmans i guess again if, if we had not seen it before this would be the kind of like the highlight discovery of the podcast, I think. Yeah. It's just the. the, the or, or did you need to see it, it twice? Yeah. Do you feel like you need to see it twice for it to be the highlight? Or? Maybe. Uh, otherwise, that's like what? Like three women, maybe? It's, it's also hard for me to call these the discoveries when they're like, they both have criterion releases, you know? Right. Like, so, so it's not like they're if, off the radar. If you have six hours, watch this twice, and it might be the highlight <laughs> of this uh, project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the only reason that we're not talking about this is like this is the discovery is because we were already so deeply versed Into, in on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, we'd already done the deep diving a little bit prior. This is just like the, the cleanup now we're, we're getting to. Well, we had done everything on the surface, but we haven't dove uh, beneath the water and really seen like what's beyond the, the depths, the, the terrifying depths of a, a murky um, submerged pieces of shit. That lie yeah. underneath. Speaking of, uh, well, I don't know what's next. Actually, I don't want to transition and well, lying well, to the next speak, one is shit. Speaking of shit, um, dog dog poop is is a common theme in this next film. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> you always land in poop. That's the uh, only certainty in life. Is uh, um, yeah. ready to wear or a piece pre- of shit. Pret de porte, pret de porte, as it's called everywhere else. It was originally called, and just you can't sell a French name, I guess. So they changed it for American. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna call it that, but you can call it whatever. I'm gonna call it ready to wear because I feel like it's ready to wear a piece of dog turd on your shoe. Yeah, look, I, I don't blame you for fixating on that because it's far too common in the film. There's a there's a, a few too many. It's the one dog gag. Jokes. Yeah, yeah, but it's honestly, I think the film is actually funny outside of that. Like, I think it's got a generally humorous vent to it. Um, it's and I think it's very charming. Uh, if a little mediocre, a little wavering, like the rest of these Altman films that we've discussed currently, it's it really feels like it's Altman back in the Altman movie-making mode. It's big, it's ambitious, it's, you know, kind of uh, exploring this wider subject and the inherent, uh, you know, uh, ridiculousness of it. It's kind of kind of satirizing the, the Paris fashion scene here. And I think it does a successful job of conveying that that chaos and that calamity and that inherent 
like kind of silliness at the heart of it all that's taken with you know too much seriousness even if it's like a little messy ultimately in the execution it's not as you know coherent or cohesive and again it has the same kind of issue that the the player does in terms of like its critique is actually just pretty mild Hmm. um and and then some inconsistencies in terms of performance but there are some outstanding ones as well Uh, i think forrest whitaker in particular continues to be like a scene stealer for me in so many movies here i can't believe i read that part that he plays was originally going to go to de niro and but he couldn't make it work yeah right and so, so to me it's just like that's just like a 180 casting decision in terms of like the yeah. presence you're getting. But same guy, but yeah. But but I like it. I I like that it's it's a bold, different choice in terms of what they're they're able to bring there. And Whitaker really does just just a phenomenal job, I think. And is again able to be very funny at times. Yeah, he's he's actually good. Uh, I don't I don't hate the movie. I'd say I'm just disinterested in it. Yeah, you you said in your. Uh, Review, review that, that yeah, nothing just... could interest me <laughs> about the Paris fashion show, which is true. I, I just don't care about fashion. I that get way. that. I get that. Uh, but it's it's so much not about the fashion. I think it's the thing. It's about the, the the ridiculousness of people, you know. Yeah. And and all of that. That's I think, true. And I think the film does that well. It's also the the last film uh, with uh, Sophia Loren and uh, Marcello Mastroianni. Um, who and I, I think he's particularly great in this. I, th- I thought the film had a very funny opening, which was in in like like it's this he's shopping for like a, a kind of a boutique tie or whatever and organizing things, and then instead of like being in the the lively world of Paris, we're in Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, it's like a, a fun switch. Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of subversion of your expectations going in, which was a a good bit I felt like. Uh, and and that's where the whole thing kicks off. Where like the and, and w- once we get into Paris, where he's meeting with the guy and he dies in a limo. The, the person he's meeting with, he, he chokes on like a sandwich or something and dies. And and everyone thinks he killed him. <laughs> I feel like I decided I didn't care pretty early on. It's kind of like a wedding for me. If I found this first, I think I would have given this the benefit of the doubt. I did to wedding. Yeah, I like this more than uh, a wedding. Okay. I think there's there's a bit more going on. Like the wedding, I, again, I felt like we overrated the wedding because it was an early example of Altman's doing the Altman thing, but not quite there. You know, it's like yeah. oh, it's got the potential. The premise is is there for it, and this is in the same category in terms of Altman. Yeah, that's how I feel about this. I think. Altman lampooning the Paris fashion scene with an extensive cast and such. It's like that's like in the same ilk of like great idea but you know where's the execution but i mm-hmm. think the execution is there to to an extent you know the performances are, are really great i think there are certain characters that stand out i think it does have a generally you know uh, good comedic bent that is not as common in altman films i think as you expect in terms of like explicitly comedic you know it's more explicitly comedic than some of his other satirical works um but yeah, it's it's not entirely consistent. There are certain plot lines that are just not as engaging. As much as I love both Tim Robbins and Julia Roberts and individuals and in their performance here, their plot is just so isolated and uh, kind of empty to me. Um, I don't think we mentioned that Julia Roberts is the best bit of the player where they talk right. about putting her in all the movies and then she just shows up <laughs> yeah. the end of, of, of habeas corpus yeah which uh, yes. the, the whole the whole pitch scene for that 
uh, is so great too, where they're making a serious thing. No stars. They don't want any stars. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, uh, it, it it reminds me of the same thing as like the the pitch, uh, the bit in the beginning of Sullivan's Travels as well. They're pitching the movie, and it's like you know, but with a little sex in it. Yeah, they're they'd be bit. a good double bill, I think. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, I think so too. But yeah, and then ultimately the film ends, and they they have the big dramatic gas you know chamber you know sequence and stuff and she's gonna die right. and it's like exactly how they they were talking about and then and you get the dramatic music flare up and bruce willis storming in and he <laughs> saves her it's, and they got the corny ending line that's the good stuff yeah it's a great ending great ending yeah. watch the players well but yeah uh nothing like that necessarily in the front of forte and again some inconsistencies kim basinger's here again with another terrible southern accent yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, I don't um, I don't know why why she keeps doing this or why Altman has her keep doing this, but you know I don't think I I don't think I buy Altman doing anything but America um, is one thing I have. I feel like he's very fixated on Heartland maybe, America. Maybe. Well, what do you think of well images though in Vincent and Theo? Um, fine. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but you're but you're right in terms of they're like they're not so much about those places but it's not like they're not about those places too you know yeah they're they're in those places but they're not a not about them the way but that term, yeah. is about the northwest or nashville's about nashville in america or shortcuts is about la or the players about la or mash yeah. is about uh california uh camp <laughs> california yeah well one of the consistencies of uh altman's filmography obviously is this image of america so you're right in terms of when it leaves there, it's um, less less of a strong suit. Yeah. But uh, I th- I think there's still an extent um, that that it gets about Paris. Certainly more than something like whatever the fuck Beyond Therapy was about. <laughs> That's true. Yes, <laughs> that 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 New York Paris of Beyond Therapy. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's it's valuable still. Maybe uh, underrated in terms of why I think it, your opinion seems to be more on the right side of things. I know like Siskel and Ebert kind of trashed it uh, when it came out, and uh, it was like just like a total misfire of things. But I like it. It feels very much in the same mold as the type of filmmaking he's doing again with the player and shortcuts especially now with new additions to, to his ensemble, seeing mm-hmm. Tim Robbins pop up again consistency, uh, and consistently. And I like seeing, uh, I didn't mention the last two here, but Lyle Lovett, um, uh, the, the, the singer, uh, the country performer, mm-hmm. uh, plays central roles in all three of the films. He's one of the detectives in the player. He's the baker. He's the, he, he makes the case okay, yeah. in, in Shortcuts, which is another great bit that I, I didn't highlight there, that he's just this malicious baker who keeps terrorizing <laughs> the family because they didn't come pick up their cake for their son who's dead shit i feel like i watched this series backwards i feel like i must have started with like a uh these last three movies and then went to these major ones so, yeah so I, I, I wish I, think, I watched them in order now i think you saved the best for last which i don't blame you uh, i i went a little bit like that too I, though i started with uh the next film on our list here because I was excited to get to it and then I came back. Oh around. yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? What, what was the next film? Kansas City. Kansas, Kansas City, City was okay. the next one. I was excited to get to Kansas City. It was uh, already on my watch list when I hit the Criterion Channel, and then when we started the series, I was like, 
All right, I'll hold off. I'll wait to watch it until we get to that point. And um, yeah, I, I have to say, I like it. I think it's quite successful. It's not groundbreaking per se, but again, it's like Altman in, in the 90s mode, I think it's very, uh, it's got the sheen of the, the bigger budget, the, the studio filmmaking going on there. Uh, but still with the very specific Altman interests. It's uh, another gangster film from him in the setting of the 1930s, uh, but it's got a lot more energy and vitality that uh, Thieves Like Us does not have. Uh, it's not so meandering. It's got a central idea that's kind of hooked around and these ideas of uh, an idea of locale. A lot of things I see people focus on when they talk about it is that it's like a, like a throwback to his roots because Altman's from Kansas City. That's where he grew up yeah. was born. Grew up there in like World War II was happening and uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of but, background for him there. But it's not so much about the, the place as it is the time, I think. Uh, I, um, I, I guess as someone who is not familiar with the history Kansas of City. Kansas City, um, I, I can't point to it in particular and say, oh, yeah, he really nailed the look of this particular nightclub or whatever, or, you know, the the areas that this, you know, was, was going on in. Uh, the, the sense of location is not a primary strong suit of it, but the time is. I feel like it's very rich in period detail. Uh, and obviously the jazz soundtrack is such a, a positive in terms of really emboldening its atmosphere and its thrust uh, in, in particular, I think it really helps to underscore the entirety of the, the events of the movie, which are compelling. I, th I think it does have a kind of a good hook and plot and character dynamic, but it's it's ultimately doesn't have like a lot of steam behind it. It's not like the, the central allure, hmm. which is a, a kidnapping plot um, involving Jennifer Jason Lee uh, taking the wife of a... Uh, famous senator or, uh, from the area. I think is, is he the senator or the governor? I don't remember. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I think that's indicative. One of these. But yes, and and so that she can hopefully negotiate to get uh, the, the crime boss of the area, uh, seldom seen, played by Harry Belafonte, to release her husband who tried to steal from him. In a great opening bit, I must say. I, I like the subversion of that and the lampooning of that. This is one of the few cases where it's okay to make your actor wear blackface in a movie. Uh, no comments. You know, you know, <laughs> uh, so so he, he, he robs um, the one of Harry Belafonte's uh, 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 partners or, or whomever mm -hmm. um, coming in a, in a cab by... By, by trying to pin the blame on uh, one of uh, the, the uh, on a black person instead in the area by dressing and robbing him in blackface, but it, yeah. it's very obvious that, that that stupid attempt at trying to fool the the crime boss of the area is very apparent when uh, he he the shoe polish is left behind you know on right. the scene of the crime. And so it becomes very obvious that he's got that good crack about it that you got robbed by Amos and Andy, he says. So, again, it's... it's and a like good... you say, it's it's done, like, contextually in a way that it's not like he's just presenting himself as a, a black man. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, the it's whole... deconstructed in the plot here. The the joke and in, in the expose of it is showing how moronic the people who would use, you know, that, that, that don this caricature are to think that it is 
any bit convincing, you know, is any kind of idea here and that they can get away with this imitation. And instead it's, you know, so very obvious and blatantly false that, you know, it ends up being the thing that gives him away and, you know, allows him to be caught. And again, it, it, it demonstrates and embodies the ignorance and the idiocy of the character who's donning it. So I think that's a great example of how you can use it in terms of a... Uh, a reversing effect or satirizing that that kind of notion and it's a good character establishment it tells us about the character without having to like just explicitly call him an idiot you know right i think like all the all the background for me is really the jazz like what i i loved about this movie so like swing jazz like originates like kansas city is kind of where like that era of jazz comes from like charlie parker is from there and i think a lot of the the things done in the movie is they get the top players from the 1960s, 70s, who were, like, these jazz musicians back then who were, like, okay, we got, like, the uh, phenoms of, like, Altman's time, and we put them in a room, and uh, the way they recorded the music was they, like, clipped it on so they could get the energy of a live performance. Like, they clipped it onto their outfits, and they just played in studio. Uh, very rare for soundtracks to be done this way. Then they kind of just pantomime when they got to the actual scene. So, So you get, like, the full energy of, like, a real, like, kansas city jazz like if there is a sense of place i think it's that and i don't think uh yeah i think that's the most winning part of the movie but uh I, like you say i don't have other things because i've never been to kansas city but uh yeah the club, i feel that in the heart of it the club has a great sense of place and atmosphere but it feels distinctly divorced from everything else like it feels like a place out of out of time like, like kind of just isolated in itself in its own kind of universe almost you don't get a sense that it's connected to any anywhere else because so much of it takes place just solely kind of in in that club um but you're right yeah and the music itself is uh so uplifting for the film uh but i think it, it's just based on the strength of the music itself if i, I think a lot there, of there are parts where it like soundtracks like in backgrounds some like uh dialogue that's very pertinent to like the development of the plot there but yeah but, yeah oh, but, but yeah, it's I, one space in a film with several spaces mm-hmm I, I do think as well, like, I, I like Jennifer Jason Lee in the film. I think uh, she's got a great dynamic with Miranda Richardson, but I also think that she's affecting a very kind of, like, fabricated accent as well that kind of takes me out. It feels very um, kind of like what we think people of the 1930s sound like and, and like, like the kind of gangster speak. Yeah, feel, that's true. feel genuine necessarily. feels a little forced. But, uh, you know, it's not the worst thing. Uh, I suppose Harry Belafonte, I think, is a is a bigger winner for me here. He's so charismatic, and I like that the film allows us to see, you know, uh, char- uh, black characters in this kind of position of power, and gives him agency. It doesn't condemn him as kind of like this, uh, you know, uh, abuser of of people or the system. It, it kind of uh, it allows him the same kind of fame and uh, idolization that people like Edward Gene Robinson had for playing similar characters in the 1930s. I'm glad Altman finally got to like really rounded black characters eventually. I think that's (laughs) good for him. Yeah, uh, I guess it was, that was something we talked about before that it was, uh, it's been a very white cast generally. There's been a couple cases where, um, you know, we've had some. One or two black. Yeah cast yeah. members but never like this like jazz club feeling and like very black focus on like uh, some of the themes and Kansas City being yeah. black and yeah 
I, I think this plays into it a lot better and is kind of more about that than, than the others have been. Yeah, again, he's still not the central focus of the film. He's, he's yeah. kind of like this charismatic villain type, but in a way that's very, it's a, it's a flattering portrayal and it's a positive um, presence in the film. And again, the music being a very central, very black identity centric is good, but the, the film is narr narratively more about the kidnapping. Uh, thematically, um, it, 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 I don't know if it has a central point other than uh, you know being culturally representative of the time and place but it's yeah. still good it's 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 very enjoyable it's it's uh fun it's got good characters i think um but yeah it's it's not quite there in terms of having something that little bit more to really uh wow you with other than like the condensed music yeah i i, I do like it um yeah. it is it is one of those surprises on the level of like maybe to serve with love too, where I'm kind of like, I'm just glad we did this because I wouldn't have watched this particularly. I wouldn't have got to it. I guess the difference between it and to serve with love too is that like I had low expectations for that. Like I was not expecting right. it to, to do the things that it did. And, and this if, one interested you. And if to serve with love too was like just a little bit better uh, in, in terms of it's like, climax like, like, like in terms of its execution of it le a little less by the books you know in terms mm -hmm. of what you expect then it would be a genuinely great film yeah. uh th this this is kind of what i expected going into kansas city and what i was hoping for just like you know just give me like a positive you know uh portrayal a nice atmosphere of the 1930s you know jazz scene and gangster stuff and and some fun performances and stuff and i'm there for it and it's that it's there i'm there for it but it's not more than that for me, like, this and Mo Better Blues are, like, the coolest ways music was, like, shot around this period. And I just, I, I kind of love it just for that. Um, and as I say, just recording it like that and and making it feel like a, a, a jazz performance. And the improvisation of Altman match with jazz is such a good idea anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's got all the things that I'm, like, something like These Like Us doesn't. It's, yeah, they're, they're, they're very different. They're very different movies at the same time that just happen to be about similar subjects similar genres but yeah um yeah th th this is definitely the preferred i think of the two absolutely all right we got one more you want to tell okay. me uh why you tried to love the gingerbread man well i thought it would be very fun if i had like a perspective where i could be like uh altman like working basic genres is, is really fun and i knew that you hated it and so i i always want like one upmanship on you like i'm like uh -huh. if david if david has a strong feeling i want to have the opposite strong feeling right uh, so I, I was really batting for this and uh really like uh, i was in its bullpen just waiting uh uh, to to kind of love it and i i watched like a, a few essays of people who love it i'm like i'm all prepared to really uh <laughs> to show this is a masterpiece. I'm, I'm going to find out why all the reasons people like this movie and I'm going to like it just as much or more than them. And then I, uh, I, I kept researching. I was like, Oh hell yeah. Like uh, people are like, this is just like Altman, like working out of the bounds. And now he's like going in like a typical Hollywood system. It's going to be so great. John Grisham is so fun. This is going to be a good dad's movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy so much. I set myself up for failure. I, like <laughs> I like built it up so much. And then I was like, God damn, I just don't like this movie. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really like first of all, what the fuck is the title there? That's a the gingerbread. That's a, that's a terrible <laughs> title for like a film that I'm supposed to take seriously. 
I get it. Like, I get that the whole joke you're playing off of here is yeah. like, oh, there's this guy, and you, you can't catch him. He's always uh, just a step ahead or whatever. But, God, is it dumb? It's just a you can't take a title like that seriously it's even dumber when they play into like the song like the the like i it, guess like nursery rhyme nature the, the name of the it, title it reminds the movie. me of the the snowman in terms of like <laughs> this is supposed to be like a serious like like you know thriller with you know like horrific elements in a you know you know uh <laughs> legal thriller kind of deal and it's like but i can't take your premise seriously when you're making like such ridiculous like under a ridiculous banner like this well, I think it's also like the at least that's like a Yo Nesba thing. Like this is an unfinished Grisham. Like that's not it's not the same as like a Yo Nesba book that's celebrated in right. a series a uh, Harry Hole series. Harry Hole is a better name than uh than this, by the way. Um <laughs> Harry Hole is the detective of the snowman. Rick, I, I I'm just into Rick that Magruder, series generally. Rick Magruder is Kenneth Branagh's character name. Uh, that's okay, I guess. That's a, that's not a bad name, I should say. Um, it's, it's it's a little hard to take seriously. M- Magruder, it r- reminds me of like, I don't know, like M- McGruff, the crime dog. <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just what my my brain goes to next. But Ken- yeah. Kenneth Branagh, uh, everyone loves Kenneth Branagh, right? I know our our friend Steven's a big fan. As I'm a an actor huge and fan. Director. Yeah, uh, mostly as a director, but yes. Do you, do you, uh. do you like him here? I like him as an actor, yeah, quite well. I think he's a, a very uh, theatrical actor. I think he, I think he plays well I don't, on screen. I guess I don't um, dislike him here, but like I don't, right? I don't like him here. I'm not like either. he's a highlight of a movie that that has no highlight. Or I gotta say, when when did I watch this one? September twelfth. Uh, it was like half a month ago. I, yeah, yeah. Okay, I watched this in a while. Um, although, if you'd asked me even after then, I probably still couldn't tell you like a ton about it. Uh, <laughs> I can't either. So. It's, it's, it's just really tough to like get in. Like the, p- part of the idea, the appeal of the film to Altman was that he wanted to tackle something he hadn't done yet, and which in this case was kind of like a conventional thriller. And yeah. it feels like a conventional thriller. It has all the trappings of a conventional thriller. Like on paper, it's definitely that. Uh, to to a fault, I think, to a point where like this is probably the most like bland, like just was... by the books film that Altman made. And I'm like, to a degree, I'm like, I'm impressed that you were able to do that to just kind of slip into that mold. But I don't think that was a good move in the end. Like the the material is so generic that if I, I had like care a... about anything. Since we've drawn some Bogdanovich parallels, I think I'd go with like Naked City as like his uh, version of like a gingerbread man. Although Maybe. that's offensive got, for other reasons. It's got the it's got a better budget and like I think a better technical acumen and even to an extent the Altman voice. It's not gone, it's still there, but it's really faded into into the yeah. background here for for this one. Like you you could fool me into thinking somebody else made this movie. Yeah, you could. I think uh, where I've but, said that, I think Altman's like uh, plot adverse. I think this is his most like plotted movie, and it loses so much. Maybe I, I like. couldn't tell you what the fucking plot was. The whole I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, maybe it just doesn't work this way. Uh, it has to do with um, Robert Duvall being a a terrible father and possibly murderer, if I remember mm-hmm. right. And he's a really gross looking guy who hangs out with uh, the like, gingerbread man. Yeah. Uh, fuck, man. Um, but we don't remember. Thing, but also, who cares? <laughs> the thing is, the thing about it is that 
it is well made, I think, is, is, mm -hmm. is the thing. Is that like, and it proves to me that if this were a better script, I think Altman could have made a compelling conventional thriller in this sure. time period. Because it does feel like a 90s, you know, kind of like action thriller that feels like your, your primal fears or your, your, your sevens to a degree in terms of like the just the, the, the trope aspects of it, the technical nature, you know. Uh, in terms mm -hmm. of what, what it's playing off of genre-wise, but obviously never to a degree where in like how those films are engaging on a, an emotional or just even like narrative level. Yeah, I just yeah, I'm I'm kind of nonplussed by it. So I I didn't hate the movie. I wasn't like oh god, don't watch this. But uh, why would you either? Yeah, and, and again, it's not like offensive materially or like you know filmmaking wise or anything. It's not like the most horrendous thing, but it's it's utterly boring, which is arguably a worse sin. It is a terrible fate for this movie to be boring. Altman doing a, a well, especially a thriller, I should say, should be riveting in some way. I mean, you should be involved plot-wise, and we don't even... I, I don't even have a thread of, of why I was watching it or what it was. I, I, again, to a degree that I'm impressed that Altman was able to make something so kind of perfunctory. <laughs> yeah, perfunctory is a good word. Yeah, I'm like, uh, congratulations, you did what you set out to do. Maybe too well, Altman. Uh, maybe try and inject a little more personality next time. I, but I do think the problem is more uh, to, to the script than, than on Altman here. Yeah. There, I think there's a reason that it was an unpublished John Grisham novel. I don't think it should yeah, have been published. <laughs> I mean, he gets a lot of horseshit published, too. So if he, yeah. if he doesn't publish something, you know it's real. Well, like... well, and that's the thing, is that, like, can you get more generic thrillery than John Grisham? No, I, I this think, is a very generic, so. generic. It's a very generic version of a very generic author too. So, yeah. Um, so, so just not the best choice of material, but I, I understand why he chose it. I guess. Yeah, Robert Duvall and um, and there are other people uh, in the Kenneth movie. Kenneth Branagh should have been fun together, but uh, yeah, there's other people in the movie too. But I again, I, I barely remember them. It's a movie with actors in it. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is actually in a lot of Altman movies in the 90s. Yeah, it's surprising him out there. He was kind of keeping his life afloat, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Um, I don't really need to stick on the topic anymore. I'm, I feel sad. I'm glad you tried. Here's what I'll say. I'm glad you tried to love it. I'm glad you tried <laughs> to give it the, I, the, the, the treatment there. I gave it the good old college try, but uh, it wasn't quite working out. Yeah, I just I no no walkways, but but you gave it a better shot even than I did, and came out feeling the same. So that I think that just goes to tell you, yeah, how uh, in inoffensive it is, in un, yeah unnoteworthy, unremarkable. I mean, if you give it an effort to be a fan, I don't think you could find it. So if if you have any strong feelings about the gingerbread man, uh, please. Write in, right in, let us know. Yeah. Leave a review on iTunes and, and tell us why you love it so much. Uh, if you do, maybe we'll say something about it next next time. We definitely will, um, but I, I I don't. We definitely won't because nobody has a strong feeling about it. Uh, should we get to these uh, rankings? I, I'm kind of excited to rank some of these. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel a big some... fire in my belly. Uh, yeah, about, uh, have some the gingerbread man. Okay, uh, you want to go through all of them now? getting long should we go in uh in order here or uh, yeah okay. recap the uh, list for the listeners mccabe and miss miller nashville three women the long goodbye come back to the five and dime g 
Jamie Dean, Jamie Dean, Images, Secret Honor, California Split, Popeye, Vincent Theo, Cold Day in the Park, Brewster McLeod, Buffalo Bill and the Indians, or Sitting Bull's History Lesson, A Wedding, Mash, Fool for Love, Health, Streamers, Thieves Like Us, A Perfect Couple, Quintet, O.C. and Stiggs, Delinquents, Countdown, Beyond Therapy. What a list. Do you still feel good about that ranking? Yeah, yeah, I feel really good about where we're at, do you? Yeah, I'm looking over it again. I can't see anything that really stands out in terms of that I I would change. Like you say, a wedding we were too high on. I'd, I'd drop the wedding a few Maybe spots. Maybe below, below MASH? It. You'd put it below MASH yeah, now? I probably would now. Um, because, like I say, uh, every week I've come to MASH and been like, well, that's a very formative movie, and I don't yep. feel that way about a wedding. So That's, um, that's, that's very fair, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would, but uh, I'm not going to right I'm now. I'm fine though. Yeah, we we don't need to make changes. With uh, this is set in stone. Whatever. Oh yeah, we've no, done this here. shit's locked down. There's 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 no going back after the <laughs> uh, I mean, the, if this I is mean, the last I time mean, we cover Altman, I want it to be you know secure. I mean, we did have McCabe, Mrs. Miller in last place at one time, but don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that it it's just that uh, yeah that controversial. Um, uh, McKim Ms. Miller wasn't well loved when it came out. A lot of these weren't well loved. Uh, like critics, it, like Pauline Kale, championed them, but yeah, it's like Mash yeah. made a, a fuck ton of money, and that uh, really buoyed his reputation through throughout uh, kind of mix and matched of successes in the the seventies. I think uh, Nashville was a big success. Three women made no money, <laughs> and it was. Um, I'm trying to remember what else here. Uh, Popeye did make money, but was considered just like a fucking utter failure by the yeah, industry. Yeah, it made it made a lot more money on video too. Like Popeye had a second life and I mean, legs it, on video, and it, it did made fine a, in it theater. made a profit. But it was just yeah. again, it's just one of those things where same thing with like I was talking about with the player. Like ultimately, the success is the important success and the metric is not with the audiences and the money made, but how it's viewed within the industry. So would you so, put the player after Popeye? Is what you're saying? <laughs> no, uh, I think I thought think I got player... you there. <laughs> no, I, I think the player is is better than the Popeye. Uh, I think it's better than a lot of these, actually. I I would go as far as to say above images, but for me, below Jimmy Dean. Oh, I'd put it. I I I think it needs to be next to the Long Goodbye as like a, a pairing. Uh... That's that's fair. I, I'll concede um, that. I, I think you're right. I think you like it more than Jimmy Dean. I think most people do. Uh, and obviously, as far as importance go, it's the players. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, is it the most important Altman film? It, it, I mean, even more than like. I mean, if Mash made his career, but the player remade his career, and it's I think the one above. I think it's how he's seen, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's how I learned about Altman first. I learned about the player. The player. Me too. I think I, I, knew I watched Player when I was very young, and, and, and only revisited it with you. I think uh, later I'm, on. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I guess I guess the player was my first Altman. Then I think we uh, we established yeah. that I hadn't seen an Altman before, but uh, the player when I was like 14 or 15, mm-hmm. half watching it with a girlfriend, and uh, the player was yeah. was first introduced to me by my high school film teacher. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. He showed it. Uh, I think he talked about the opening shot, uh, if I remember right. I'll have to deep dive into the recesses of my mind to remember exactly. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, the player above, come back to the five and dine, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, and below the long goodbye. I think we agree. I'm fine the, with that. The, the long goodbye 
just a, a, a tiny bit more more cohesive. And I, I, I was going to say that the, I think I've always said that the player is his most commercial film, but mm-hmm. I think I think the Gingerbread Man maybe disproves that now. It's most commercial <laughs> success, I think. Still. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether or not you're commercial, it doesn't matter until the box office comes in, I, I suppose. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, a commercial product all the way, Gingerbread Man. Uh, uh, speaking <laughs> of uh, commercial products, uh, how about uh, shortcuts? Shortcuts. Uh, a, a movie destined not to make money. Um, yeah. Three hours that? long, just chaotic uh, plotting, uh, interlocking short stories. Uh, it must have made ten dollars. Let's see. Let's actually see how much here, because I'm curious. It made six point one million in '93. How much did it cost, though? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it could have been lower, high. It was I don't probably know. more. I don't, it, yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing is that you never know. Like sometimes he's able to get away with making these on the <laughs> on the cheap, but uh. Yeah. Yeah, I could see, see well, it. Maybe uh... tell me. <laughs> Podcast where David researches no, films. No, that, no, uh, it just tells me the gross. Damn it! I want to know how much it cost to make. All right. Well, uh, Shortcuts anyway. is a good movie that we like. Great. Even uh, before, I probably would have had it lower if you asked me this before rewatching it. I I had it lower, but it, it was it was definitely in the I need to rewatch this territory. I need to reevaluate it because maybe I'm underrating it here. Before I probably would have put it above California Split but below Images still but um, um, but now it's 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 definitely in a it's definitely a contender for top top three yeah I think I, I think I'd put it high up on the list um, this website says about 15 million I think for the budget but uh, well that's a failure know. then it didn't make it didn't even make half its money <laughs> Yeah, but I can't cross-reference that. So don't take me for my word, but that's what I saw. Okay. Now, it, uh, it feels like a financial flop. That's, it does, that's what yeah. we'll say. It, it, it feels, feels like, like a the movie kind that... of film that would never make money. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd be fine with... Uh, 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 you say it's the most Altman film, so I, I think I, it deserves to be like top three-ish. Here, Okay, so I guess the question is, so is it better than McCabe and Mrs. Miller? Well, nothing's better than that. So okay. I don't okay. think that's yeah. possible. I, th- I think we're agreeing. Is it better than Nashville? That's also a, a, such a high bar that it it's almost impractical to get over that bar. I think. I I agree. I feel like it could. I feel like someone could argue it and and convince me, but yeah. Nashville feels like just so much even grander than uh, it, it its ambitions. Like it feels like it really achieves more than it sets out to and embodies something so quintessential so you know uh, all-encompassing that the, the fact that altman can even gesture towards that again throughout his career is kind of miraculous yeah so so i guess the follow-up then is is it better than three women that's where i'm stuck i, I suppose like i think three women is such a great example of well everyone on our site really loving an altman and celebrating it as his best work potentially and I don't think, yeah, but well, that's that's true of I think that's equally as true of shortcuts in Nashville and McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Yeah. Uh, again, it's kind of impressive and you know uh, shocking how many absolutely masterful films Altman did manage to crank out over a, n- a number of different decades. You know, here, like it's it's one thing to have that incredible run of films in the seventies, but again, to come back in the nineties and have the player and shortcuts back to back like that, you know, these, these two master strokes here. 
I'm just putting it in the list to see how I... I think I like how it looks there. I, um, I, I like it I like it above three women myself. I think if, I do, if, yeah. If you'll recall, I, I conceded three women quite high right, so. on your behalf here. but There's shortcuts. no concessions needed for shortcuts. We both ended up liking it more than we had, and we both liked it. So. Yeah, I I could only see it going up on another rewatch. Honestly, like it, it's it's in the almost perfect territory. Like I, yeah. I I knocked it just a little bit in my viewing because I'm like there there's still like maybe one or two that like I'm not fully taken in by when we cut away. Yeah, to not the all the show. short stories are perfect, and but, uh, yeah. but almost all, almost, almost. all of them all. <laughs> and, and it that's is like damn a, impressive. It's like a quintessential nine out of ten movie if there if there were one on this list, I think. It's, uh, that's that's great. Yeah. Okay. So next is Predaporte, okay. which uh, I th- ready maybe to wear. maybe this is the one that's going to actually take some some arguing because I know we're on different spectrums for it. I think it's positive. I said earlier that I think it's better right. than a wedding. Um, and, uh, but I know you were you definitely not. Yeah, I'd put it below quintet there. Below. You, you can... How are you simping this much for Quintet? Are you kidding? <laughs> I just care about um, the uh, Montreal Expo more than I do the Paris Fashion Show, I guess. You, you, you can't keep, like, arguing for it just, I, I, because of the, that. It's not even, like, the Paul Newman of it. Like, I feel like that's a, a stronger argument to have here. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's a Paul Newman movie, and I like Paul I think Newman, it, but no. I think it's funnier to keep saying that I like it because of the Montreal Expo. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, uh, we don't have to put it that that low. Uh, uh, I'd put it below Mash, though. Uh, I don't think it's as influential as Mash or important. Okay, do you, do you think it's potentially better than Fool for Love? I guess is the only other argument to be had. I I, no. I think putting it below Mash is is acceptable. I can concede that. I do think it's better than Fool for Love, which again is kind of like gesturing at surrealism, but kind of like very haphazardly. You know, and the it's the the big thing is that Predaporte still feels like the big ambitious, you know, uh, over uh, you know cr- crossing back and forth Altman film. It's got lots of you know uh, big personalities, and again, I think it's very humorous. It's got lots of great performances. It's just uh, inconsistent in its overall execution. But Fool for Love uh, is is a little. I mean, the, the big thing Fool for Love had was a sense of place. Yeah, uh, it's a very nice atmosphere, but a bit of incoherence. And again, they both have terrible accents from Kim Basinger. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they have that in common. I'd I'd be fine with either order. What What do you want to do here? Um, uh, let's 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 put it above Fool for Love, okay. below Mash. I'll concede. Uh, yeah. There. Fair enough. I'm just happy it it's well. I wanted it below Quintet, but. Uh... Yeah, well, that's, that's a, a ways away. <laughs> I'll live with uh, it being up uh, four or five spots, six spots there. That's okay. Six, seven, seven. All right. Uh, next is Kansas City, which we're on the positive side. One's hard to rate. I think I think that I'm having a hard time envisioning it in the list. Um, uh, yeah, I don't see where it goes, actually. I like it quite a bit. This is the, the, the weird positive middle ground here that we have that's kind of like a like a funky territory kind of like brewster um, territory uh yeah it's it's in there in, in my own list i have it i have it higher than than vincent oh Dale, wow but that's also that's also above popeye uh which again our, our refl- list doesn't exactly reflect i'll i'll say at least that 
I would put Popeye above this. Popeye is just so unique okay. and weird and enjoyable that I I can't justify putting Kansas City above Popeye. I, I think Kansas City has lots of strengths and is arguably like a you know just qualitatively better. But Popeye is the film I will come back to before, so I'll, I'll at least take that as a starting point that it's got to be below Popeye. Like I said, like Mo Better Blues, it's just one of the I I weigh soundtrack and the score of movies quite a bit, and I think it's just so uh, beautiful the way it uses jazz. I think it's a special and a, a good tribute I, to Kansas City music scene, if not Kansas City, the city, the place, the uh, area. Yeah. I think so too. Um, I, I guess the question is: uh, so, w- would you put it above Cold Day in the Park then? Yeah, I could. I, I could I slide it got, in there. Yeah. Okay, but is it better than Vincent Theo? I guess then is the question. So this is the finalizing spot. Is Vincent Theo's the strength of its performances and its uh, scenery, its uh, examination of these these characters with with a distinct humanity? better than the jazz music and uh, lively environment of Kansas City. I think City. so. I think Vincent Theo offers something more to to a prospective uh, Altman watcher than, well, I don't know. Uh, Kansas City it's, offers it's, a lot, it's too. It's really tough, but yeah, these ones are, they're very different in terms of their strengths, but they're pretty equal in terms of their value, it feels like. <laughs> It's it's a real toss up. I feel like I think I like it right it, below like Popeye, the uh, Kansas City, Popeye, okay. Kansas City, Vincent Theo. I feel like it's tied with Vincent Theo more than any other movies yeah. tied on the list. Uh, I, I think you're probably right there. Okay. Um. All right, <laughs> and so the last then we have to evaluate is the. Oh God, <laughs> do it. Okay, I, I I still want to put it in the top ten because I, that's what I went into this with, and I want to complete my mission. Um, what are, what are uh, the top yeah. ten. <laughs> uh, so is it better than come back to the five and dime Jimmy Dean Jimmy Dean? I think so. It's a better title, the Gingerbread Man. It's it's definitely not. It's a it's a it's okay. A worse Both title have abysmal titles. Um, so uh, <laughs> is it better than uh, Popeye? No, I think uh, no, I think isn't. Robert Duvall and Kenneth Branagh are better actors than uh, Robin Williams and Popeye for sure. <laughs> I I don't think that's that's the case. Yeah, Shelley Duvall. Way, this was the first. Right. This this was the first Robert Duvall film that Altman, uh, Altman uh, Robert Duvall role in an Altman film since Mash. Wow. Okay. I didn't. I hadn't realized that. Yeah. That's a, so it has a special that's place. Twenty eight year difference. So put it up above. Popeye, and then uh, is it better than California Split? Uh, definitely isn't. No. Nope. Okay. Uh, that that movie has Elliot Gould. I feel like you're you're uh, arguing that it's not as good as a lot of these top ten movies. I I I think you're onto something there. Yeah, I would say that it's not as good as um the vast majority of these. Honestly. What about some things we looked at today? Is it better than uh uh let's see Ready to Wear uh Predator? Nope, I don't think so. I'm a lot more positive on it than than you are, but um, I guess the one advantage is that there's less dog shit in the gingerbread <laughs> the, man. More gingerbread, less dog shit. Um, I I'd put it below a, a quintet, <laughs> which is a, a thing I want to do on this podcast. Uh, put things below quintet. Um, uh, I'd put it below delinquents. Maybe delinquents has good Altman stuff in it. 
Like the a few. Does it? You mean like you could like see like the Altman emerging behind it? I thought the whole point was that we couldn't. I thought the Altman emerging was like I mean the the, the whole thing with the delinquents was that it was like oh look competent filmmaking yeah. this guy can make movies. but is this competent it wasn't until yeah that's the okay, thing is that, that's the one competent. thing the film has going for it is that it looks and feels like a competent generic thriller of the 90s is, it's just that the the writing is nothing it's a big nothing burger. is quintet competent uh, no, because it's got the fucking hue around the lens the whole goddamn time, and you can't see anything. But it's certainly better to try for something than to... Maybe, maybe. maybe. And the Montreal Expo is really good. It's, this this is where, where I'm stuck, because uh, Quintet is much lower on okay. my list than on ours here, but I do have this above O.C. and Stakes. I'm fine with that. Uh, I have to the Gingerman above that. I know you... Yeah, so O.C. and Stakes, even as I tried to defend it's it... It's offensive. I think it's a failure. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a, it's definitely offensive, uh, but it, it, even as it's trying for something, the Gingerbread Man is also trying for something and succeeding at it, but that thing is... Shitty, m- yeah. Far less valuable from like an artistic merit. It's just like Altman is trying to be conventional, and he is succeeding, and that's a little bit lame. <laughs> Maybe that's um, lamer than O.C. and Stiggs. Maybe it's lamer than... I, no, because I, no, O.C. and Stiggs is definitely offensive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, to a degree, incompetent. Like, it's, it's bad stru- structurally and storytelling-wise. I, just, I feel um, like Quintet, Gingerbread Man, O.C. and Stiggs is okay, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't have any feeling about it for it to be, like, five if, up on our list. I just feel like I felt nothing at all. I just feel... If I'm, I'm conceding to you on Quintet merely... For the joke, like, joke, I just want that to be known that the, the that you are fucking advocating for it. So strongly. you think this I, is a joke? I, to me? There, you think there I, are you think there I are very it? few films. There are very few films that I have felt more apathy towards than Quintet. I just want to emphasize that, it, like that film was the epitome of nothing, of just absolutely bouncing off of me. And I'm like, like, like literally the only takeaway for me from that movie was like. It has sets. It has nice sets. It's definitely. I feel like I'm in a post-apocalyptic winter place. You, like that. That was. You it. think this is a bid to me? Otherwise, it was surrounded by mediocrity. <laughs> yes. Yes, I know this is a bit. Everything is a bit to you. You think I'm funny like a clown? It's. Uh, I. I think I. Uh, why? Why didn't Joe Pesci make any movies? I know it would have been where's a good Joe thing. I, where's Altman making a very Italian movie? That would be a, you know his version of like Scorsese's like gangster movie. That's a gangster, it. yeah, the, yeah. His gangster send ups is all the classic like 1930s yeah. ones. I need uh, uh, Altman's take on The Godfather. <laughs> I would like that. Uh, which was uh, uh, what was it that he did right after The Godfather? The Wedding. A Wedding was like around the Godfather era, I think. Uh, where where wedding uh, films were actually, very popular. No. no. no? No, the wedding was late. That was seventy nine. Oh, yeah, so yeah. that was like at the okay. end of the decade. So seventy two when The Godfather came out, shit, that's like that's like prime Altman time. That would have been just after the just after McCabe. So like hmm. it's uh it's it's one of the, the big ones. So we have guess, Long like, Goodbye was Long probably Goodbye the following. Seventy three. Images was a seventy two. There you go. That's what it was. Okay, that is no correlation so, at all. But, uh, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for something Godfather s there, uh, but uh, no, no, no influence. No, well, that's a. I don't think so. That's fine. Uh, I I feel um, both hollowed out and uh, empty 
uh, based on uh, uh, the gingerbread man being our, our last thing to put in uh, the list. Well, is uh, do we need to run through the list again, or can people just figure it out? I guess people can Should I just it read out. it quickly, just to uh, keep uh, consistent with our prior yeah. episodes? Our, our 30 films now. This is 30 films we've ranked so far. Okay. McCabe, Miss Miller, Nashville, Shortcuts, Three Women, The Long Goodbye, The Player, Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Jean, Jimmy Jean. Images, Secret Honor, California Split, Popeye, Kansas City, Benson, Theo, Cold Day in the Park, Brewster McCloud, Buffalo Bill and the Indians are Sitting Bulls, History Lesson, A Wedding, Mash, Predator, Full for Love, Health, Streamers, Thieves Like Us, A Perfect Couple, Quintet, The Gingerbread Man, O.C. and Stiggs, Delinquents, Countdown, and Beyond Therapy. Yep, that sounds pretty right. So listening over, I, I think really the only contentious listings here are like Brewster. Mike, Mike could probably go Mash, off based maybe. on other people's opinions. Yeah, Mash definitely based on its reputation. And California Split as well. Sometimes California Split is lumped in with the masterpieces. Yeah. I think it's not quite there. But for us, I think this reflects pretty Yeah, accurately. and Quintet could probably go up like... I'd put it up three spots next next time maybe. Maybe I'll just change it when you're not above, looking. Above streamers? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'd notice. I think I'd, unless you've snuck it above OC and Stiggs. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be okay. Um, let's move on to the uh, uh, next episode. will be our last one for a while. Our last. We're going to finish off Altman. Yeah. The last five Altman films. Holy oh, shit. We made it. Uh, almost. It's coming. Yeah. I haven't seen some of these. So we'll That's exciting. I haven't seen... You, you have seen what I think... This will be the first time that you'll have seen an Altman film that I haven't. Oh, which yet, one's that? In terms of the okay. last Prairie okay. Home Companion, cool. I'm actually I'm actually going to make that the last Altman film I've seen. Because yeah. So often when you watch a whole filmography, when you get to the end, you're watching the dog shit. You're watching the terrible thing, and you're gonna go off on a bad note. But I know Prairie Home Companion has a positive reputation. Yeah. You might like it. So I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? And, and I want to feel that sense of conclusion that everyone else had when, when they kind of got there. I know Altman wasn't out of the game when he finished. Like, he had another project in the works. That sounds so cool. Yeah, that He was he was going to do an adaptation of the documentary Hands on a Hard Body. Yeah. Which sounds like it would have been an awesome like the film. Like the documentary? The, the, the one where yeah, they just, yeah. like, hold the car and just, like, stand around? Yeah. That's a fun doc. Yeah, the, yeah. the competition of that? Yeah. He was gonna do a, a film version of that, so would have been fun. That 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 would have been his next project after Prairie Home Companion, but uh, he died. So Shame. yeah, indeed. But yeah, last last five films. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being an Altman completionist. I'm looking forward to being past all of this. Yeah, as well. me too. But it's exciting, and it's been a good this whole well, time. And uh, until the next episode comes out, I think we'll have a daydream cast out. Uh, and we'll have a, uh, um, what do you call them? The the Motern boys. Uh, don't let the Motern cast get you. I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask. It's been gone for a it's bit. Recording so today. Coming back with local legends. Yeah. Oh, today. Interesting. Okay, that's exciting. In about an hour, we're recording that one, and uh, that'll be all from us this week. And uh, next week, our uh, our last episode for a while, but that that'll be okay because we'll come back around next Halloween week? or uh, two weeks from now. will be our last episode for a bit. Yeah. Then we'll come back at then Halloween. We'll have a special Halloween episode. And then I might do some stuff in November, December, but it won't be as consistent. We'll see. Yeah. This, yeah, we're, there will be a Twin Geeks hiatus for the podcast, but there will be other projects that will come in its place. Uh, look forward to those things. 
And also, just remember to check out the rest of our shows. I'm thinking of Spoiling Things with Vaughn and Steven. The Stacks, we're always, they're, they're up to something right now. Uh, we don't know what, but they're definitely up to something. They're certainly watching movies and saying they're doing something. That's uh, as far as Eight, I know. 808s and eight oh eights and pod breaks as well. Yeah. Um, you guys, uh, anything interesting planned there coming up? I don't want to commit to anything. Coolio just died. Maybe we'll remember Coolio. Um, oh, that's yeah. a, that might be that a thing would, to do. Be... Um, uh, we we talked about doing like Limp Biscuit, like talking about all the Limp Biscuit songs. I think that would be really <laughs> funny at some point. But uh, uh, oh, that does. We talked about doing a, a album draft where we looked at like the the albums of the year. So there are ideas um, circulating around that show. It all sounds exciting. Sounds like fun. Well, thanks so much, David. Yeah, thank you as well, and I look forward to capping this off. Great time as always, Calvin. Okay. Conversations and I post them online for entertainment. It's nice to know. At least you listen to the show because it's quite the possibility that nobody is listening to me in this modern world. Things have changed. Everybody's entertaining. Who's being entertained? Thank you for listening. Mine out of all the voices.